Hi friends, and welcome to the T21 Mom podcast. And this is episode 78. My name is Mary and I'll be your host. And as always, my good friend and co-host Ron is also here with me today. Hey Ron. Hey Mary, how's it going? It's going good. Good, good. Um, so you were at the farmer's market week before last and then ago, this yeah. week you were at what was it float for hope no the boat for hope <laughs> boat for hope there you go see, yeah. see i see your yes. posts and i just like always screw it up that's all right so boat yeah for hope. we've had a busy couple of weeks weekends last weekend was the run-up for down syndrome and the weather wasn't great and a little mix-up on the 5k course <laughs> My poor nephew was walking and ended up walking, I think, 8K instead of one and a half, but that's okay. They were all in good spirits and it rained, well, actually poured right during the warm up, but then it stopped. So that was good. And I sold out out of all my cookies and I had even made more because I thought from the farmer's market, I'd sold so many. I thought I better make a few more. <laughs> so that was awesome. And then... This past weekend, we were at the Boat for Hope, put on by Variety, which, you know, so generously grants uh, Ainsley some funding for various therapies. And it was so much fun. We were out on the water for about two hours. We had some water fights with some pirates. We scored some good loot. And then there was a little kind of after party, I guess you could say, in the park, you know, with hot dogs. And Todd Richards is a country singer. He was there. And... There was even, uh, what do you call that? The sponge sugar. It's. Oh, candy floss. Candy. Yes, yeah. that's right. Dentist dream. I couldn't remember. Yeah. So that was there. Yeah. We just had a really nice time. And, and then last night we went to, um, my younger, uh, niece and nephew ballet recital. Cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool. and they were awesome they did so well and i was so proud of both of them and especially for my nephew sean because you know it's not something typical no it's, it's, he, it takes a lot of courage actually for you know younger boys to but he did yeah to, yeah. to um, do it yeah he did really awesome it was yeah. really a pleasure to see them yeah so you've been so busy you haven't really done much baking i have two more uh batches to go Okay. And then I'm done. All right. Um, so our guest today mm -hmm. um, is bringing us some information on something that might be a little bit overlooked. Yes, it's called infantile spasms, also known as IS. And so I'm talking with two moms, Corinne and Ebony, and about their journey with their little one's diagnosis of infantile spasms and it can be quite serious if it's left untreated and but it can be treated and generally from what i understand it for the most part can be quite successful the treatment so um but it does need to be treated as soon as it possibly can okay well, let's go learn stuff okay today on the t21 mom podcast i'm joined by two other rocking moms ebony bearden and corinne Torini. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Oh, you're more Thank than you welcome. Thank so you much for the opportunity. Oh, yes, of course. I'm so glad that you both could come on and share your stories today. So today we're going to talk about something that I actually don't really know 
much about and it wasn't really on my radar until someone else actually mentioned it to me but it can be quite serious in our kids and it's it's called infantile spasms also known as is i i don't know if you just use a shortened term of is or if you actually use the full uh term infantile spasms but before we delve into this can you each tell us a little bit about you and your family Corinne, would you like to start? Sure. Um, yeah, I uh, live in the East Bay in California. I'm uh, mom of two boys. I have a, an older boy. He's six, soon to be seven. Um, and then my youngest is two and a half, soon to be three. Um, that's my little one, Noah. He's the one that has the uh, diagnosis of Down syndrome and also had the diagnosis of infantile spasms. Um, and it, so it's the two of them, me, my husband, and, and our two dogs that we love. <laughs> You're busy, especially adding two You may dogs hear them a little bit. Sometimes <laughs> they kind of um, make an appearance or want to be heard when I'm on a Zoom call. So no <laughs> <Fair> worries. It's <laughs> all good. And Ebony, can you tell us a little bit about you? Yes, um, I have a baby boy. His name is Isaiah. Um, he is 14 months. Uh, we just moved to Chicago about a year ago from Texas. Um, that's pretty much it. We're pretty much in the house of doctor's appointments, therapies. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, yeah, mom life is always busy. So I'm in a lot of different Down syndrome groups, like, probably like you ladies too. And I often see posts, usually from a mom, you know, of a video of their baby often you know, very briefly, maybe kind of twitching or jerking for lack of a better word. And I'm sure that's not the right term. Uh, so I apologize for that. Asking what it is. And often a lot of people chime in that it could be infantile spasms. So Emily or Corinne, would, whoever, would one of you like to sort of explain a little bit about what IS is? Ebony, do you want to go ahead? Um, yes. So infantile spasms, they are a form of epilepsy. And uh, they typically, like you said, they typically, um, that's the best way to describe it, maybe like a twitch, a jerk, a jolt. Um, and they typically come in, um, let me see, repetitive. Rep um, I can't think of the word. Repetitive? <laughs> yes, repetitive, but uh, clusters. That's the word I'm saying. Clusters, um, okay. Yes, they typically come in clusters, but they are a form of epilepsy. So when you say they come in clusters, mm -hmm. so would they have like maybe several seizures at once? Is that, is that um, what that means? I don't know. Corinne might have a little bit more um, insight on that. Like, you know, she probably helped me a little bit. Um, so everybody's case is different. Uh, mm -hmm. My son, when he got them in clusters, like um, he would maybe twitch or jerk his hands or his eyes would shoot up. Just some parts of the body part would shoot up all at once. Um, he'll, it'll be for a split second, he'll stop and maybe in 10 or 20 seconds, he'll do it again, or even a shorter time. It just depends. And they could last up to, um, they say after three minutes is when you go for like the, um, the syringe, it's kind of like an EpiPen for seizures. It's not an actual EpiPen, but okay. it's something that stops seizures. Um, so yeah, if they're over three minutes, that's when they're kind of like, okay, you have to stop this, but yeah, yes, that would be very scary. I would think watching for that length of time, like a, a child seizing. And Emily, how old was your son when you first noticed it? Uh, when I first noticed it, he he might have been going on five months. 
And what is, and what is, the, is that around the typical age or about how old are babies when they're, I guess, either diagnosed um, or when they first sort of appear? Right. Um, so the only really information I have is from other moms in groups. And I hear a lot of moms say it's really a wide range, but the youngest I've heard is about four months, three to four months. And then, but some people don't catch them until about eight months. So it's really just varies um, okay. on the child. And Corinne, what about you? How old was your son when you first noticed? Yeah, Noah, um, we noticed about 11 months um, from what the doctors say. They think that we did catch it pretty early within a month, which is good. Um, mm -hmm. Typically, babies are diagnosed before the age of one. And so Noah had kind of an older diagnosis. I think a lot of times you see it around three, four, five, six months. Okay. Yeah, that's from what I had read like 11 months seems old, but I'm glad that he was like, you yeah. caught it. So he wasn't even showing any signs up until at that point? Or... No, I, you know, it's, in retrospect, you know, when we kind of heard and got information about the fact that it was an older diagnosis, you know, everything was going through my mind. I definitely was thinking, oh my God, how long was this going on that I didn't mm -hmm. notice? But, I, you know, looking at, I went back and I was looking at videos of him and, and I think it, probably we didn't really notice it until 11 months. Um, a lot of the things that you start to see is like regression in skills. And the biggest thing, at least for us, I think it's pretty common with most babies, they stop smiling, they stop laughing. And so oh. I went back and, and I looked and I was like, no, it definitely, we caught it early. It definitely <laughs> was around 11 months. Um, and then he officially got a diagnosis about four days before his, his first birthday. Wow. I hadn't heard that. So that is a sign. I'd heard of regression, but stop smiling and laughing. Oh, that would, that's almost heartbreaking. You know, suddenly yes. you're going, what's going on with my child? Because from what I have just seen, like on videos and stuff. So obviously I don't have any direct experience is the seizures can be like, I know Ebony said it can be up to three minutes, but often it seems like they're very short and you wouldn't necessarily even know if it's just your child moving around. But Ebony, you also mentioned that your son's eyes would shoot up into his head. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so just depending on the child, they kind of look different. I mean, they look the same, but every child has a different movement. They might not have the same movement. So when my son's first started, his hands, his arms would shoot up and his feet would kind of spread out and his eyes always do like a rolling movement upward. So when I first noticed them, I used to think like, oh, he's just stretching. But then me and his dad would take videos at random times. Like this doesn't, this doesn't look right. You know what's going on? And uh, like you said, the regression, you know, he was a happy baby. He would make eye contact and everything. And one day I'm just like, he's not doing, you know, what he normally would do, which he was still young, but I just seen a total, um, I just seen a total change in his attitude. Um, you know, it was just very different. So my first thought was to look up, like it just reminded me of a spasm, but I'm thinking like a muscle spasm. Do mm -hmm. babies have those? I'm a first time mom. So <laughs> I was like, what's going on? So when I looked up spasms, I'm like, spasms and when I kind of you know they always say don't google but I know when right <laughs> when you look things up like that it's like okay my mom was like if he does it again and at that point they were coming in cluster she's like take him to the hospital so wow and so I think Corinne or I can't remember who it was but Ebony I think it was you you said it's actually like a form of epilepsy so I was wondering about that mm -hmm. so yeah can they can it turn into epilepsy as they get older or do they know? Uh, 
Yes, so in my case, my son, he is 14 months now, and he was hospitalized twice um, within the month of April, then going into May. He actually just got out, but um, in April, um, you know, we're on all these medications for a while, and um, last time he went to the hospital, like April, early April, he had a um, respiratory infection, so we were trying to get him on a better um, med to control his seizures, and Mm -hmm. I kept telling them... um, you know, if a child is sick or has anything, respiratory infection, anything like that, and they get a fever, that lowers the child's threshold to have seizures. So while we're in the hospital, I was telling him, I think his, his uh, fever is rising. Please get him some medication, some Tylenol, something like that. And they were like, oh, he's okay. But, you know, as us as mothers, we know our children. Yeah. So I'm telling her, I'm like, get him something now. I don't want to wait because if he, you know, he's already sick. If he gets his fever, I don't know what's going to happen. So that was the first time my child had ever had like the seizure as what everybody else would think of, um, you know, the full body shaking and okay. we cannot break him. We cannot break him out of that seizure. It was at least, I don't know, maybe as a mom, I was panicking and frantic, but it seemed like almost an hour. We could not break him <sighs> out of that seizure. And this wasn't the typical infantile spasm. So at that point, that is when they said his seizures are evolving and they're turning into, I don't want to chop up the thing, but it's called LGS. So I know it's the first word is Linux. And then the second word is with a G and it's a syndrome. So this has developed into a whole nother, this is for sure epilepsy. Like um, typically kids kind of grow out of infantile spasms, Mm -hmm. but if not, you know, the other percentage of the kids, they turn into different things. And um, with this specific diagnosis, my doctor was telling us like, you know, nine times out of 10, he's going to have this for his whole life. Okay. So, yes. Wow. And Corinne, with your son, what were some of the signs were they similar to Ebony or how were yeah, they Yeah, very, very similar. It was, it would look like a baby startle. He would just kind of like, mm-hmm. that's it. That's what it looked like. Um, so really okay. just kind of moved, just kind of jerked his head forward. Um, it also came in clusters. His eyes would tend to kind of like roll back into his head a little bit. Um, and in the beginning he was having like, I don't know, three, four, five at a time. And then, you know, worst he was having, you know, 40, 50, 60 a day. Um, wow. Oh my gosh. That would be so scary. And often I've read that doctors can often be somewhat dismissive of the child having IS. Like, I think it's, is it more common in kids with Down syndrome than it is in the typical population? Yes, it is. But the good news is that um, usually kids with Down syndrome tend to respond to treatment better as well. So oh, <laughs> well, another uh, great thing of the with the extra copy. I, I've also yeah. heard that they tend like once they've recovered from IS that they the chance of relapsing is also significantly lower in our kiddos as opposed to the typical population. So that's good news. So how, Corinne, how was your doctor when you brought your son either to emerge or to the doctor? Because I have heard that often doctors can be somewhat dismissive of it, of IS, because I don't think it's that common. I've read that in in our kiddos, it's about two to 5% of our kids have IS. So what, what, what was your experience with the doctor? 
Yeah, it, it is very rare. And unfortunately, I hear the same thing in some of the IS groups that I'm in is, is that people's experiences, unfortunately, they do get dismissed. Um, we were very, very lucky. Um, you know, within two days, we had a diagnosis. I, wow. I did the same thing as Ebony. I went on Google. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it didn't register as an, an emergency right away. I was just kind of like, well, he's going to be, you know, seeing the pediatrician for his one year, like I'll ask about it. And then one night it looked a lot different and it looked a lot worse. And at that point I went down the Google rabbit hole <laughs> and I started watching videos and I read about it and I was, I knew I, I was like so sure. I emailed our doctor the, the next morning. I had a call with our doctor and I was just, I was very adamant. We need an EEG. We need to see the neurologist now. And, you know, she had not really had a lot of experience with infantile spasms, but she, she knew what they were. And we had a phone call with the neurologist that night. We were driving to Oakland the following morning to get an EEG. And by the time I got home, we had a call from the neurologist who said, confirmed that he did in fact have infantile spasms, um, told us about, uh, treatment and said that, you know, the second that we hang up this phone, I want you to go to the pharmacy. I want you to take up this medication. I want you to go home and give it to him right away. Um, it is considered a medical emergency. And so oh. within two days we were treating him for infantile spasm. So. Wow. Well, that's wonderful to hear that even though your doctor didn't know a lot about it, but was aware of it, but that you were able to get treatment right away and that they weren't really dismissive of it, especially because your son was older than what typically appear like at the typical age that, that usually shows up in. And Ebony, what about you? Like with Isaiah, like how, like how was your experience with the doctors? Um, I don't want to say they dismissed it, but they said we believe you as a mother. You know what's going on with your child. But um, at first, his um, his EEGs wasn't really showing what they were looking for. Like they said, they're abnormal, but that's kind of expected, being that he has you know an extra chromosome. But on his EEG, it's not saying infantile spasms. So if I didn't have videos, we probably wouldn't have got treated. Honestly. Um, the videos is the only thing that helped me get the medication. And then when we did get the medication, I was telling his neurologist, like, it's not enough. He's still, you know, he's still having these movements. He's still having spasms. And he kind of really, he was just like, oh, well, he was really dismissive. He didn't go up on his dosage or anything. Mm -hmm. So at that point, that's when I had to switch over neurologist. And she helped us immediately, um, got us something better and stronger. So. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad. I mean, I'm not glad to hear about that first experience, but that you had another doctor who took you more seriously. So, and like you mentioned, Ebony, about the videos, because I have heard that too, is that often the best way to, I guess, prove or at least show to your doctor is through video. So I guess yes. I'm sure that's what you would tell any parent that suspects that their child might have I asked is to like video, video, video. And I mean, now it's so easy with our phones. It's so mm -hmm. easy to capture that. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad that you're able to do that. So you both mentioned EEGs. So how do they actually, without actually witnessing it, I guess, but how, how do they actually diagnose MTAL spasms? Ebony? Um, from my understanding, it's just kind of like a, um, a pattern of the brain waves 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, EEG, they hook it up to your brain and they kind of, I mean, it just depends on what kind of EEG. Sometimes they do it for an hour, a couple of hours or like over the course of days. Um, and they just kind of study the brain waves from my knowledge. Okay. And Corinne, for your son, like, was it through an EEG or how, like, I mean, your diagnosis was so quick. How, like, how did they do it? Yeah, it was through an EEG. They see what it's called like chaotic brain waves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think of what the hypsarrhythmia is what it's called. Um, and that's the piece about infantile spasms that makes it so dangerous is not necessarily like the actual seizure. The actual seizure is, is, is you know, they don't cry. Like at least my son didn't. Like it seemed fairly harmless. But the dangerous part of it is that uh, a baby that's diagnosed with infantile spasms has constant chaotic brain waves, um, which is why you see regression, um, which okay. is why they stop developing, and which is why there's there's the the danger of um, of having brain damage with it, and that's what's called hypsarrhythmia. Okay. Um, so like I I could see it when they were doing it, and I mean just basically is just like scribbly lines all across the page going up and down. It's just very chaotic. Oh, wow. I, I didn't, I mean, I knew it was serious, but I didn't realize how serious the extent of if it's, I mean, if it wasn't caught early. Oh, wow. So how do they actually treat IS? Like, I mean, I know you mentioned some medication and I've heard different things. Mm-hmm. Like, how do they treat it? Um, yeah, so it just depends on the severity. Like I say, every child is different. Um, at first, we were only on one medication. Uh, then we tried the ACTH, which did work for about four weeks. And mm. then, sorry, what's I, ACTH? Um, ACTH is a steroid. Um, I don't know the what you know each um, word stands for. That's okay. Just I just, a, um, <laughs> is it like a a medication that you take orally, or do um, they inject it? I heard that they have oral, you know, oral way to do it. But when we did it, uh, it was an injection we had to do. I think it was at least like twice a day. And then you kind of just weaned them off of it. Um, and that worked for us. Um, that was the best I have seen my child um, ever. Um, but unfortunately, it did not, you know, it, it stopped working after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so then now he's on like three medications. And to this day, we're still trying to, you know, grasp on to what works best for him and the dosages. So um yeah typically in kids that don't you know um they respond good to medicine they just um keep trying medicines until we find one that works best for their child typically (laughs) okay and then and corinne like obviously ebony's situation it kind of evolved into something more but for yourself like how long did you did your son have to take the medication like when did you start seeing a difference? That is our road to getting seizure free was a little bit tricky. Um, so what we were told is frontline medications, frontline treatment for infantile spasms is a combination of two medications. One's called the gabaterin, and then one is a choice of two different steroids, either the ATCH, the injection, or uh, what we did was uh, prednisone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we started on right away. We, within that week, we did see um, spasms disappeared. And I vividly remember it was like on his first birthday that he was laughing again, that he mm. was smiling. 
Um, but infantile spasms is considered refractory, meaning it's very, very hard to treat, very hard to get it under control. And so unfortunately they did come back. Mm. And so we went about six to eight weeks kind of um, upping the dosages of those medications. And we would see, you know, spasms decrease, disappear, come back, decrease, disappear, come back. Um, you can only be on steroids for about six to eight weeks. Mm -hmm. And so at that point in time, we were having a conversation about next steps. Um, and then, so what we were told at that point is um, the next best thing was to try the ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. And that took about three or four months to, to tweak that. And we were many hospital stays later, um, about four months, we finally did get seizure control. Um, and he's been seizure control for about a year and a half now. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, when you said the ketogenic diet, is that like what everyone's doing these days? Keto? Is it the same or is it different? <laughs> it, it is the same. Um, a lot of people don't know the ketogenic diet. And, you know, nowadays people know it as this fad you yeah. know, diet to lose weight fast, but it was actually um, something that came about, gosh, 70, 80, maybe longer years ago by a father who had a child with infantile spasms. And so it is a medical treatment for epilepsy. And, and oh. nowadays, I think they're using it for, for some other things as well. So um, the, the ketogenic diet that we are on was managed by a dietitian. We had to um, start it um, while we were in the hospital for about a week so he could be monitored. We had to be taught how to do it. Um, it's, it's very, um, everything has to be measured. Everything has to be weighed out. We have several mm -hmm. scales at home. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. So, wow. I had never heard that about keto or the ketogenic, which is, I guess mm -hmm. the proper term, uh, that it would, how it goes back so long ago. So does your son have to be on that for life? So we are actually in the process of weaning. Mm -hmm. We are probably going to be completely off of keto in the next month or so. And then at that point, we're going to talk about weaning the seizure meds that he is on. Um, some it's different for all kids and in, in all cases, Noah has, you know, been what we've, what they have said, best case scenario, meaning that he's done really well. Mm -hmm. Not only have we been able to get seizures under control, um, but he's developing. And I think that was the piece that led our, our whole neurology team, we have a whole team of people that had supported us um, to make the decision that they thought that it was okay to wean him off. Um, some children do stay on it for long periods of time because it does help um, them become more alert. It helps them to continue to, to grow and, and to develop. And so as we're weaning, that's one thing that we're watching for, number one, we don't want spasms to come back. And mm -hmm. number two, like, is he continuing to develop even being off the ketogenic diet and fingers crossed so far he is. So. Oh, that's amazing. And Ebony, what about yourself? Like for your son, is I like, have you tried the, the ketogenic diet or has that ever been offered to you or? 
Um, so actually, we're changing neurologists this summer um, again, but um, not that the one we have is not great, but um, at the hospital that he's at now, they um, they only offer so many medications. So like the ones Corinne's talking about, it's like things I wanted to try, but my hospital doesn't offer it. So uh, when we see his new neurologist on June 7th, that actually just encouraged me a lot because, you know, just hearing stories about things working for other people, um, even though, you know, it might not work for him, but just give it a try because it definitely works for a lot of kids. But um, that is something that I am going to bring to his new neurologist. I believe they do it at his new hospital. So, yes. So fingers crossed that, fingers crossed. you know, you, you see some positive outcomes from that. So, yes. like, Ebony, your son was diagnosed earlier. Like, sorry, how, mm -hmm. about how old was he when he was five, five months, you said? Yes. Five. Yes, he's one on five months. Five yes. months. And Corinne, 11. So it's a little bit of a span there. So, mm -hmm. and Corinne, it sounds like it's, even though your son, it was, it's, it sounds like it started later for him and it was, and he was a little bit older when it was caught, you know, and he sounds like he's had some positive outcomes uh, from, you know, his treatment. But if it's caught early, like, in Ebony's case, uh, like what, what is, I guess the expected outcome? Like, I, I mean, obviously we've got a bit of a spectrum here between the two of you, whereas unfortunately, as I, it sounds like he's going into it, like, um, something more and mm -hmm. where your son Noah is, sounds like he's on the road to recovery. So is there, I guess you kind of touched on it earlier, Corinne, like when it's, if it's caught later, cause like it, of all the I, damage, like I, that's not really the best choice of words, but of what can occur if it's, if it's left for too long. So I guess my question really is like, what's the expected outcome? Like if it's caught early, can they usually generally get it under control? Well, so the refractory is what we were told. Um, when we were given a diagnosis, unfortunately, it was not to expect much. It was very grim outcomes. Oh, really? Um, it, we were told this is con it's considered refractory. If you Google it, it will tell you it's one of the worst um, you know, seizure disorders out there um, because it is so hard to control and because if, you know, it can turn into other you know, seizures down the line. Um, you know, even if you get infantile spasms under control for so long, like we will be seen by a neurologist probably for his entire life. Um, I, I mentioned, you know, our neurologist team has said this is basically best case scenario, but, you know, for a long time, we were told to be, you know, expecting not great outcomes. Um, wow. In fact, I one appointment, it sticks in my mind that he saw something good. I don't even remember what it was during an evaluation. And he said, I am cautiously optimistic i'll never forget that it's never something that you want to hear you know somebody say about your child's future is to be cautiously optimistic but um you know luckily nowadays there are more treatments that are showing better outcomes than in the past so mm -hmm. i think you know that's you know one 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 blessing that we had and we had a great team i think as well um, that's fantastic and ebony with your son because it sounds like his case is a little bit more complicated mm -hmm. like has he been like did he show signs of regression i mean he was still only five months but like has like did he stop smiling or um well in our kids i think it kind of already takes them a little longer to smile so mm -hmm. uh, he would smile here and there um 
Yeah, I, I can say, um, let me see. So around the time that we found out, definitely, he did stop smiling. Um, he stopped smiling. So let me see. We didn't get started on ACTH. We found out in, I want to say, July, August. And we didn't get started on ACTH until October. So oh. within that whole time, uh, he would randomly smile. You know how, like, um, younger babies, they kind of, they say, oh, they're smiling at the angels. Or, you know, mm-hmm. he would smile like that. And we were in his face doing silly things. He would not smile. Uh, when we started ACTH, I say a week into ACTH, he was smiling, laughing, oh. all type of things. Um, I say around December, January is kind of when it started to get out of his system because we had wind come off by then. So honestly, I can say I have not seen my child smile um, intentionally since I want to say January. Um, so and far as mm-hmm. no, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. As far as his other. Um, skills like we were working on sitting up um like we were tripod sitting when we were Mm -hmm. on ACTH um eventually when like I said when we kind of weaned off um everything just kind of got fuzzy like um Mm -hmm. the meds that he were on you know you have to play with these meds so the meds that he were on he was sleeping through therapy like he was just sleeping 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 so um yeah we're still not where we want to be um you know milestone wise but I can say the um I think we're, what we're doing right now, um, as far as his dosage, he's up. He has a a good sleep schedule. He sleeps all night. He takes two decent naps through the day. They're not hours long. Yeah. Um, I would say he's at baseline right now. So okay. we're at a point where in therapy we can, uh, you know, try to start seeing some improvement. And why did it take so long to start the ACTH? Um, well, that's when I was with the, you know, the neurologist before, and I kind of just felt like he didn't take me serious or you know he wasn't really you know he just wasn't doing what I needed him to do this is supposed to be something serious and I don't feel like you're taking those actions of something you know for something that's so serious as you guys say it is so wow. I feel like he kind of just you know they want to play with them they like to well in my case they like to play with the medicine they're like oh give it time to do this it takes time to do that I don't feel like we have time in time. these you know mm-hmm. cases <laughs> so yeah I totally agree with you. Like for something, you know, that is so serious that you both mm-hmm. have said that a doctor would want to sort of play around with medications to see how it works. Like, why not just, mm-hmm. you know, go with what they know and like, if it is like, you know, and see if that works like the other treatment, but I'm glad that you were able to get into a different doctor who, who took you seriously and that he was able to get on that medication. So with the ACTH, can you only do it for a short, mm-hmm. like you can't be on it forever, I right. guess? No, it's a um, it's a very um, aggressive steroid. Um, like okay. I blew up. Everybody has kind of different, um, you know, um, side effects. But with my son, uh, I don't think it was that bad. Uh, plus I'm a stay at home mom. So if I'm up all night, you know, whatever. I don't have to go to work in the morning. So um, <laughs> I kind of just dealt with it. Um, he was a little more fussier. I'm like, he's not a really fussy kid. So he, I can say he was a little bit more fussier and he kind of puffed up, you know, mm-hmm. stories have a tendency to yeah. make you puff up. Um, but yeah, that's only something you can only be on there. I think it's like four to six weeks or six to eight. It's, you know, it's something in that range, but no, it's not a forever thing. Um, I do believe you can, you know, do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, for another four to six weeks and see how that works but um, I know they have really harsh side effects like um, right now my son is battling with low blood sugar so mm-hmm. um, ACTH can cop- make you have you know blood low blood sugar just depending on the child they have different side effects that can be you know 
not so great. So of course, yes, I well aware of like this steroids, a, a good friend of mine for something totally separate. You know what, like uh, Corinne, you mentioned the prednisone, which is a hardcore steroid that I I know of, and yeah, how it gives you the moon face and and things like that, and which it sounds like, um, Ebony, you were saying like the puffiness. So, yeah, that's so hard when our guys are so little and you're you're seeing yeah. this. It's yeah, it's so hard, and I've heard that there are other risks associated with IS, like including you know, autism. And then Ebony, you mentioned also about like it evolving into other, like into epilepsy or other kind of seizures. Mm -hmm. Like, has anyone talked to you about that? Or are you aware of anything like that, that it, that it puts your child at a greater risk for these other conditions? Corinne? Yeah, it's something that we've been spoken to about. Um, um, that he is at higher risk for developing other seizures, uh, as well as potentially autism. Okay. Yeah, that's, and that's challenging. My daughter has a dual diagnosis and, and it's, it's hard. So yeah, <laughs> but you know, she's doing okay. You know, like, I mean, it's a little off topic, but you know, she can talk, I mean, not in full sentences, but she can talk and you know, she, I keep hearing from other parents, like how they, their kids have these horrible meltdowns and they don't transition well. And Ainsley doesn't have any of that. So I'm really grateful for that. But I mean, I mean, we all have our, I don't want to use the word burdens, but we all have our issues or whatever you want to call it to, to carry. And like, you guys are dealing with what I think is very serious, the IS. And I mean, and hopefully potentially that's it for you guys. It, it doesn't evolve into anything more. I know Ebony, you're dealing with some other uh, seizures that are going on with your son, you know, and I hope for you guys that it just stops there. Like nobody wants another diagnosis of anything, you know, we're yeah. already dealing with Down syndrome. And for the most part, I think if it was just Down syndrome, sure, I got this, you know, and then you're throwing in this other stuff like autism or IS or whatever. It's, it's hard, but you know, we're their moms and we, we do it. We get through it and we do it. And, you know, still she's, they're still our kids. And like, as someone told me when I got the autism diagnosis, she's the same child that walked in here. Now she, you're walking out here, but you have all these resources that are now available to you. So it's still the same child, but that's a little bit off topic. <laughs> that's a whole other episode or something else. Um, so wonderful to hear that she's doing well. This is also somewhat off topic, but um, I've actually been in the field of ABA working with children with autism for 17, 18 years now. So it's definitely something that's on my radar with Noah, something that I, mm -hmm. you know, kind of hypervigilant about. Um, and, and yes, we hope that this is the last diagnosis that, that we will have. Yes. <laughs> and like, and it, I don't know about for you, Corinne, but it was very difficult to find somebody who had experience with Down syndrome and autism, like that dual diagnosis, very few. So you, that could be a good, a, a good sector for you. <laughs> you know, I, I have several resources in, in the Bay area. 
um, that do a lot of work and, um, you know, presentations, education um, on dual diagnosis. And I actually teamed up with them, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago and did a presentation on, you know, ABA services for the dual diagnosis of Down syndrome and autism. So yeah, it will turn into my niche. <laughs> yes. Well, that would be wonderful because I, I think you're probably unfortunately needed. <laughs> I say that in the kindest way, but yeah. And so as I talked about earlier, like I've heard that the chances of our kiddos that have been diagnosed with IS, that their the chance of relapse is quite low. And so with Corinne, I know with your son, Noah, like it sounds like he's on the right track and he's doing awesome. And, and then Ebony, so does Isaiah, like, does he still, would they say he still has IS or has it kind of evolved into something else? Um, I really don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of hard because they don't really speak to me about a lot of things. Like when they said this new diagnosis, I was like, well, nobody's really willing to deal with me about what this is. I had to literally Google it, um, which <laughs> my doctors, I guess, my they, she said, I didn't want to scare you because mm-hmm. in this sense, we still, we're still going to treat him the same. Uh, we're still going to try the different medications. Basically, there's no different treatment with this diagnosis. So, um, yeah, it's just... Um, I don't really know the things that I see. Um, that's another thing I'm having a problem with. I'm trying to tell them as a parent, I don't know when my child is having an exact seizure because he does this eye rolling thing and they said it can be either he's overstimulated or, you know, if he's on so many medications, this could be a side effects of the medications. So I'm like, okay, if you're telling me this, how am I supposed to know if he's, yeah. if his seizures are evolving, how am I supposed to know exactly what his new seizures are like? So in some cases, I still do see him have like the startles. They don't um, come in clusters anymore. He hasn't mm-hmm. had clusters in months, but um, yeah. So I think it's in that transition phase where it's turned, you know, we're still kind of in that phase. Um, like I said, person, honestly, I could not tell you um, what his new seizures look like because um, they're so, they're still so like, you know, um subtle like he doesn't mm-hmm. cry or anything like mm-hmm. that so hopefully with this new new um neurologist he can give me a lot of information fingers crossed i i'm i'm hoping it goes well with the neurologist so not too far away to till you get to see them yes. so i've really enjoyed hearing both of your stories very different which I totally wasn't really expecting. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and thank you so much for, for sharing. Is there anything you would like to else to share or like, what would you tell parents, you know, if they suspect or they're not sure, like we all say, don't Google, but we, we often (laughs) all do that, (laughs) but like, do you have advice for other parents? Corinne, did you want to start? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would urge parents, you know, go to your emergency room or, you know, we, you know, how to EG the, the following day, like advocate for your child. It, it, it is a medical emergency. Um, you know, it's a hard thing to talk about, but, you know, having forums like this, I think is really important because, you know, when we got Noah's diagnosis, we had a prenatal diagnosis. We were told all of the, you know, hundreds of things that we could be facing with a Down syndrome diagnosis. And mm-hmm. not once did we ever hear anything about infantile spasms. The fact that it, it <laughs> is 
so easy to miss and is so detrimental if you miss it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I hope that at some point, like this will be part of the education for new parents. Um, but yeah, my, my thing would just be, it is a medical emergency and advocate for your child. And, you know, there is some benefit to Googling because you can educate yeah. yourself because <laughs> unfortunately, you know, we got lucky with a team that specialize in infantile spasms, but that's definitely not always the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And Ebony, what, like, what would yes. you, what advice would you mm-hmm. give to other parents if they might suspect or, you know, yes. wonder about like what's going on with their kid? Um, I would definitely say if it's anything on the radar of IS or seizures, make sure you get those videos. Um, But I would also like to say, you know, don't let anything freak you out and just always keep faith. Um, You know, it might sound like your worst nightmare, but at the end of the day, like Corinne said, you're your child's biggest advocate. So you have to stay strong for them. You have to be their voice. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, and Corinne, you were saying like, it kind of just sort of came out of left field, you know, because like, like I told you at the beginning, I really did like I'd heard about IS, but I didn't know really anything about it. And I really only knew one other parent and I was very surprised, um, you know, that, cause she'd never mentioned it before. I don't even know why she told me and her son's doing awesome. So, you know, and I thought, oh, that's, that's, you know, so great. And it's, it's positive. So yeah, I think, thank you so much for sharing. And Corinne, I like what you said, it's an, a medical emergency because I also never thought of it as that. I knew it was serious but I never thought of it like that. And I think parents need to know that, like not thinking, okay, I got to wait a week or whatever to get into a doctor, like go right to a a hospital. And I mean, you got very lucky that they specialized. We're very familiar with IS. So that's great for you. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that you've had such a challenging time, but hopefully, you know, with your new neurologist that it will be positive going forward and they'll be able to figure out, you know, the right medication for Isaiah and get him onto the right therapies and, you know, and that he can start reaching all his, his milestones. Cause sorry, how, how old is he again? He's uh, he 14 like, months. 14 months. Okay. Yes. You know, and Ainsley, I mean, she, she wasn't sitting on her own either until like 15 months. So, mm-hmm. you know, he'll get there. <laughs> he'll get there. Yes. I know it's, it's hard. I know for sure. Um, Cause we all want it, right? We want it like yesterday, all these milestones and it just takes some time. And, you know, and unfortunately right. with the IS, I guess it just delays things a little bit, but you know, mm-hmm. they, they'll get there in their own time. Thank you so much ladies for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having me. So Mary, this seems like in the diagnosis process that it's, it's often overlooked. It can be sometimes doctors, I think are not, I think they are aware of it, but also may think this is just the way the child is acting is just part of being, of having Down syndrome, you know, as we call it, diagnostic overshadowing, overshadowing, you know, it's, it's, you know, and that comes back to maybe the dual diagnosis thing where there are still a lot of doctors Mm -hmm. who don't understand that that you can Mm -hmm. have two neurological issues, you know, at the same time. Yeah. Or more even. Yeah. Yeah. And, but as we talked about, if you can capture a video of your child having one of these episodes and then show it to the doctor, because sometimes they're so brief, but at the same time, they could be having 
many in a day and you might not necessarily see them or they might not necessarily be showing it, but they're still having these types of seizures. So, yeah. and it's really important to get the treatment as soon as possible. Okay. So, uh, where are we going next time? Is that still our secret? That's our, our little surprise. Okay. <laughs> All right. Why don't you take us on out? All right. Thanks for listening to the T21 one podcast. And as always, I would love to hear from you. You can drop me a line at our email at info at t21mom.com, or you can find me on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at trisomy21mama. Tell me your stories, what's going on in your life, what's important to you. Keep on loving on your rock and kiddos, and we'll see you next time. See you, Marie. Bye, Ron. Mm-hmm.